Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Be Unbound podcast. I'm Ben Billups, and once again, uh, this is the dynamic trio. I'm joined by our CEO, Jonathan Brush, and our COO, the O in the middle stands for operations, Megan Weber. Um, this week, we are going to give you guys kind of a sneak peek into the content that's going to be at Basecamp. And that, and by that, I don't mean there's going to be some kind of extended uh, advertisement for Basecamp. I actually mean we're going to be giving away a lot of the content that's going to be at Basecamp because we believe that time, tasks, and relationships are vital life skills. They're important things to focus on. And when you master them, everything in life gets easier. And so um, I thought it would be a great podcast topic. And uh, and so Jonathan, Megan, and I are going to be discussing those three things today. I hope that you guys get something out of it. And obviously, if you want to learn more about those things, interface with students in person about it, interface with us in person about it, you can definitely go to bmbow.us slash Basecamp and learn more about the event and, uh, and consider registering. Registering. Um, the price goes up at the end of December. So that's something to keep in mind as well. So you can go to beyondbound.us slash Basecamp to learn more. And then of course, as always, and as I've said for the last several podcasts, um, we are still looking for referrals for the Ascend program. Um, the day that you're listening to this podcast is the last day that someone can apply for the spring semester, but applications starting tomorrow are going to be open for, this, uh, for the fall of 2021. So if at any point, um, you think of a friend, you meet somebody, they sound like a good fit for the community, they sound like a good fit for the program, you can go to beunbound.us slash refer, you can generate a unique referral link so that way when they apply, we can um, trace that referral back to you. And as a benefit, if that student enrolls, you get free access to our Navigate course and you get um, free registration to an event of your choice. And then the student that you refer gets a $250 discount, which is the best discount that we offer. So. With those things out of the way, we're just going to go through these in order, time, tasks, and relationships. So starting with time, um, some of these questions are going to seem incredibly elementary, but I think that's because these things are elementary. And so while the questions may not sound like insanely mind-blowing, insightful questions, I think the conversation uh, hopefully will be. So I think just starting with the basics, talking about time, um, and maybe starting with Jonathan and then going to Megan, what is time management and why does it matter? I will just say that time management is one of those things that for most of my life just gave me a rash, right? Like <laughs> I didn't want to talk about it. I don't want to think about it. Uh, I had this sort of, it's, I don't know if you ever had this with like, you feel like financially, you feel like you should be running a budget, but you're not running a budget, but you don't want to think about running a budget because then you have to deal with it. And it just kind of sits there about the same way about time management. Um, and then I had a little phrase and this is not lots of people say this. I don't remember where I picked it up, but for some reason it really drove home. And basically the, the little pitch was, you know, five years from now, five years are going to pass. There's nothing you can do about that. The question is what we do with the five years. And that really kind of caught my attention. And I was like, okay, there's obviously a finite amount, a finite amount of time here uh, that's available. And so managing that and figuring out how to use it is important. And then I had kind of a, one of those things where it sort of was reversal, trying to manage time and sort of like figure out what happens with every minute. That was extremely frustrating and stressful to me. But on the other hand, in trying to manage opportunities, that was a lot more exciting. And so for me, that was the beginning of my kind of time management realization, which is, you know, if I wanted to do things, then I had to find the spaces to do those things in. And by sort of figuring that out, um, I was able to get a lot more done and feel like I was a lot more track. And then my life made a lot more sense. 
And so same way, I mean, you can get to that same real realization in a bunch of different paths, but that was the one that kind of motivated me. Same thing with the budget. You know, I was listening to a budget thing one time and they said, basically a budget is where, you know, as your money comes in, you tell it what to do. And that was very helpful. And I found the exact same thing with time, right? You know, if I thought about time as like I had to portion all these minutes, that really stressed me out. But if I thought of it as like sort of a stream incoming and I told it what to do and where to go, um, then that seemed a lot more empowering. And uh, once I started to figure those things out, of course, anybody that's decent time agent will tell you this, everything got a lot simpler. And it wasn't so much that I was like massive productivity and, you know, killing it and making all my goals. It was more of a reduction of stress and a feeling like I had a little more control and I was deciding and being proactive about what I do with my life. And that was when I started to think about the fact that there was a relationship here between managing time and just the reality that that was a fundamental skill, that being able to do this changed everything. It was one of those domino things. Figure this out, everything else in life, everything else in life got easier, better, and more fit, not so much efficient, just became better is a, is a way to sort of say that. And uh, that was kind of a big like, oh, these, this, is, this is a foundational thing. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I think I'd play off of that. And I remember for most of my life, it's felt like I've almost had too much time. Well, like I never kind of, you know, I wasn't overwhelmed with tasks. I just had a lot of time. And so I could, I enjoyed managing it well because I'm an organized person, but I also knew a lot of people who didn't enjoy organizing it. And I was like, well, it's fine. You have a lot of time. And it's really been in the last year and a half, two years, as I have had more demands on my time, that it's been helpful to know the skills I've already practiced when I had, you know, a greater time to task ratio. But now that I had those skills, I can see it benefiting my life now. So I don't know if that helps some of you who may feel like you don't have a need for it yet. Yeah. Well, it's kind of interesting because I think like one of the, the thing that usually whenever I think about time management, the first thing I think about is just that time is the only resource uh, is basically completely irreplaceable. Right. Yeah. And so, um, which is something that both of you guys were touching on, but it's, I, I just remember one of the times that kind of became crystal clear is I was in like a random church, small group. And I think it was like an icebreaker question, but it was basically like, if you could, if you could get yourself more time, more money or more things, like which would you choose? And when the question was framed in that way, it just became so obvious to me that it's like, well, if I have more time, then I can get more money. And if I have more money, then I could get more things. But the only, but like money and things can't get me more time. So like at the end of the day, time is like, it's kind of the root of every other resource in life, right? If you, if you're managing your time well, um, and if you know how to basically create time in your schedule to do things that are important to you, um, then that's a skill that actually translates into every other part of life period. Um, and getting like kind of into the way out there's philosophical side of things. Um, I, for the, there's probably like one and a half people out there who remember a couple of years ago when I made the overthinker series, um, which is just a YouTube series I put up every week. But one of them was about, well, I, we, we beat that already. Cause like, I remember that you remember that Megan. So there's oh, yeah. two. So oh, we're yeah. already above average. Yeah. We might be at three and a half. So <laughs> that's pretty cool. And, um, <laughs> and, uh, but one of them, I just remember I was, I was basically exploring the idea of how sort of time is a part of the fabric of the universe that we live in. Like, especially when you talk about physics, it's like time is expanding. It basically is the thing that rules the universe. It's a created dimension. It's a, it's a dimension that was created by God. It's the fourth dimension. And so then when I was, and basically the process of thinking through that, I was like, well, so that means that when I'm wasting time, 
I'm actually wasting the universe. Like that sounds way more consequential than just like, oh, I have an hour to kill and this looks interesting. And like, it, it, it's not like that at all. It's like you're spending the universe when you're spending time. And so anyway, that's my, like, if you're talking about how to put, like kind of illustrate the gravity of that, like that's how I think about it. Now, some, at some points I think, I focus too much on that. Like it's basically created like an unhealthy, like don't rest mindset when I think about it that way. So, but rest is also a valuable use of time. So it's more about a balanced perspective of what actually is a good use of your time. But that's kind of how I look at it. It is the way you spend your life, right? I mean, like it is, it is kind of, you know, as Christians like to think a lot about purpose and at least the crowds that we run in spends a lot of time talking about and thinking about life purpose. But for a lot of people, life purpose becomes this thing that's like out there, like it's it's going to it's going to happen someday. And we work with a lot of young people. And so they, they often think life purpose is what happens after I graduate, after I get a job, after I figure out what I want to do, after I get a family, after I get it's after, after, after. But life purpose is actually time is a way time management is a way to apply life purpose right now. Like like your life purpose gets applied in the next five minutes based on how you decide to use the time given to you. And and so and and it's. Yeah, you can take that to the extreme and it freak you out and, and you can kind of never rest and go crazy. I mean, that's obviously not a healthy way to do it. But the other way is equally unhealthy, if not more so, which is you don't acknowledge it. You don't think about that reality. You don't do anything about it. And then you just drift. And so time management is really a way to to use your life. And for me, that changed everything. It's like time management sounded like some productivity business geeky thing that I didn't want to be saddled with, you know, but but using my life effectively, making it count trying to have an impact, uh, using it well, that will really resonate with me. And time management is actually the way to make that happen now, not theoretically, not sometime in the future, now. Absolutely. And I think maybe just going back to Megan, something you touched on, um, so I'd probably be good for you to start on this, but um, do you consider time management to be more important when you're older or when you're younger? And the reason I ask that question is because I think a lot of people share the perspective of like, you know, people, my age and your age in particular, it's like, you feel like time's on your side. you like, you enter, you, you talk to a 60 year old, you're like, man, I've got all this time. Um, so I'm curious to know what your perspective is on that. Yeah. I, I mean, I think the smart answer, I think everybody knows kind of the smart answer is time management is always important. Like, you know, the earlier you master it, the more time you have, and you guys just spouted off all the philosophical reasons behind that. And, and yet it's still hard. And I know we're going to talk more on that later. Um, but I think, and Jonathan, you started to touch on this, but it doesn't have to be complicated. And, uh, you know, this time of year, we're talking about, oh, what plan are you going to get next year? And what fancy, complicated, in-depth system? I mean, it practically takes half of your day to organize your day. And I have definitely had periods in my life where I had the kind of time and I did spend half of the day organizing my day. And I think that's pointless. And it does not have to be that way. Um, time management I'll reiterate what John said earlier is just using your time, like telling your time where to go. And so at some points in my life that has just looked like every three or four months, writing down a list of my priorities. It's almost always what I'm already doing, but it helps to see it on paper. And then I know that when a commitment comes up, is that something I want to say yes to or want to say no to? Um, it doesn't always have to even look like every single minute of every single day is written down on a piece of paper. Um, I don't think that works for a lot of people. I don't think it should work for a lot of people. So all the time, but not as complicated as it seems like it needs to be. That makes sense. Um, and so I guess then, 
and maybe Jonathan, you have perspective on this because you're getting at it, Megan, but then what does mastering time management look like? I think that that's a, that's a kind of a slippery slope. You know, how, how did master, does master it mean that I use every second? Does master it mean that I have everything scheduled? Um, I think that's often what people think. Mastery looks like a totally color-coded, you know, Google or, or Outlook calendar or something like that, that, that specifies every single minute and what you're doing with it. And I've come to have a sort of a different, much more practical view of this, which time management mastery simply means that I have not a perfect, but a relatively clear vision on what it is that I'm doing. And that comes in the task management, which we're going to talk about shortly. And I have a, a relatively good idea of when I'm going to do those things. And if, if that, and, and you heard me say some qualifiers there. I didn't say, I know exactly what I'm doing. I have everything planned out. I don't, in my life, at least that's never been realistic. That, that is an unobtainable perfection that, that if I strive for it, it's just going to stress me out. But for me, mastery looks like I have, a, I have a general idea of what is the most important things in my life that I'm trying to do. And I have a general idea of when I'm going to concentrate on doing those things. And I'm consistently applying it. Don't get it right every day. But, you know, when I finished this week, I look back and I said, I don't know, 70% of the time I was getting this right. Um, I think that's mastery. I, and I, I don't think it requires perfection. I think if you can get, get it right 70% of the time, your life is going to be tremendously more impactful than somebody's just not thinking about this. I think you hit on something important there that it's, you're also looking at it in a broad stroke, whether that's a week or a month, because if you try to every lunchtime look back and say, oh, was my morning 100? You know, did I manage my time perfectly this morning? It's both discouraging and wasteful, honestly, because even a day, you may have a day where, you know, we all do this, where we're going to work really, really intensely and then something else slips. But, you know, I see all of us then take, you know, time off the next day or later on that week or stop early you know, to rebalance that with family time or friend time and church. So it's in a broader scope than just a day. Yeah. I mean, I, speaking personally as well, but I think for me, it's less so a mindset of like organization and more so a mindset of like administration, if, the, yes. if that makes sense. In the sense that like, um, and actually there's one, I think this was on a Tim Ferriss podcast from like a gazillion years ago, but I just remember I heard this concept from a wrestling coach and he called it, the, the, the his acronym was WIN. So, uh, and it stood for what's important now. And so it's not in the sense that it's like, so you're in a new position, you know, and, and in his case, when he's coaching his students, they're in a wrestling match. It's like, okay, well, you know, now he's got a tie uh, on your arm and it's like, okay, well, it's like what you thought was important 10 seconds ago is not important anymore. It's like, it can't be your focus or your priority. And so that obviously needs to be balanced against long-term plans. Cause you can't just let urgent short-term things take, you know, completely take away from what you're trying to do in the space of a year or 10 years. But um, I think just ideas like that have been really helpful for me because it's like, well, sometimes some weeks I, you know, I, I have kind of a, a ranking of like, how important are these things? And if something's pretty low on the list and it just doesn't get done or I replace it with something else, it, I just don't judge myself for that. I, I don't hold myself to getting just like you said, Jonathan, hundred percent every day of the week. Um, and like dwelling on that, but just focusing on, did I have my priorities in line and was I spending my time in a wise way? Um, and then, and looking for areas to improve, but not treating it as like this insanely stressful, you know, um, 
uh, sort of uh, uh, authoritarian, like treating, you know, being a slave driver of yourself, right? There's a difference between those things. So that uh, that win thing might have been introduced in the Tim Ferriss podcast, but we're going to perfect it here in the Unbound podcast because I think it's it's a quick analogy, but we can take it a step further and we can actually add to it and say why win is spell Y W I was starting with what's important. Uh, because that that's a that's a question a lot of people don't ask. And see, that's really the big one, right? What's important no matter what? And so in your wrestling match analogy, what's important is winning the match. Now win. What's important now? Uh, there's a time I arm up to do that. And, and see, what that prevents is like if you know what's important, then it's like I'm really tired. So what's important now is getting a rest. Well, that doesn't work if you're trying to win the match because if you take a break and, and take a rest, you're going to get your butt kicked, right? You're going to get pinned. Um, but if you know that what's – I've taken the time to answer the question, what's important? It's winning this match. Okay, now what's important now is getting this – time my arm taken care of or, or doing the counter move or whatever. And so anyway, just to not extend that out, I think that's a really kind of pretty helpful way to look at time management. Do you know what's important overall in your whole life? The big questions. Um, and we talk about this and navigate all the time. Do you know the big questions? Okay. Now you can figure out what's important now. And now how are you going to apply, you know, how are you going to kind of chunk your day down to deal with those things? And if you can do that, yes, I think that's a, you are definitely looking at some time management mastery there. There you go. You heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen, the perfected win concept um, on the Beyond Bound podcast right here in River City. So um, shifting to tasks, um, I, I think maybe uh, maybe Megan, it would be good to hear from you on this first um, as our operations officer of all people. But um, I think and, and this is especially with a lot of, you know, obviously where there's a lot of college students that listen to this podcast with people who are early in their careers um, and when you're in that position a lot, you're, you're being told what to do. You, you open up your syllabus and it says, here's what you're going to do. And here's when you're going to do it. And so I guess just from your perspective, is task management really that important when you're being told what to do? Yes. Uh, because outside of the classroom, I don't know of any other place where that even happens. Um, I'm in a position now where I've not only hired for student teams, but I've actually hired staff onto the unbound team. And the number one thing that stands out, um, not even when I'm hiring somebody, but just when they're working with and for me is, can they take ownership and get something done? Because I simply, I thought this was something Jonathan used to just say when I worked for him, but I simply don't have the brain power to direct and give instructions to everyone. And the most valuable thing that somebody does is listen to me spout off an idea and then come back and say, oh, I wrote a proposal. I created a spreadsheet. Uh, I've developed the next three action steps. Can you review them and you know, give me permission to move forward? I have a limited ability to make decisions. Um, I think we all do. And so, yes, if you can manage tasks, then you'll completely set yourself apart because someone who's constantly looking for something to do is like a kid who, you know, you want to train them and direct them, but you hope that as they get older, they can actually take ownership. They can actually clean their own room. You don't have to tell them, put the socks in the drawer, um, you know, put the basket away. I feel so. called out by the way, with that example. <laughs> That was not intentional, but uh, maybe you need to go clean your room when you're done. I mean, maybe. Um, but I'm, I'm not giving you instructions on how to do that. I trust that you're capable of doing that. Um, Just so. make sure you block out some time so you can get that. <laughs> I'm not, I guess like I just need more convincing that it's important. That's the main thing. Now. Okay. Yeah, well, now. That, that takes you back to your win concept. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah. It, it's ridiculously important. It, 
it'll set you apart so fast. Awesome. Um, and then I guess from Jonathan, maybe from your perspective, having been probably, you know, had more time, in, you know, living in a professional context, even than in school, but I guess like, and with your family life and everything else that you have going on, um, I guess like, what does task management look like for you outside of work and school? Like, is it a, is it a big part of things that are going on um, in those areas? Yeah. You know, the thing that kind of, again, woke me up to this. So, so I told you a little bit about the time thing is that, you know, at some point in your life, you can actually do everything, right? You can, you can actually get all of your schoolwork done and you can go outside and play and ride your bike. And that's enough because there's not really anything else left in the list that's really obtainable for you. But it doesn't take you long before you figure out that there's always way more to do than you actually have time for. And that's where the task management becomes essential. It happens in work, but it also happens in personal lives, right? There's only so much time, and yet there's all these important relationships. There's only so much time, and yet the yard needs mode and the big repair needs to be made, and there's this project I wanted to do, and there's this backpacking trip I want to take and whatever. And so task management becomes this really crucial thing to once again connect to what's important. So what's important and how I use my time, but then what's important and what I use my time for. Because the reality hits at some point. And, and I, I feel, I don't know, I don't have hard evidence for this, but it certainly appears to me anecdotally that this reality hits earlier and earlier. I think for most people in past generations, this reality hit as they reached a, a level of mastery in their career. Until then, it was very much like, do whatever you do for school, do whatever somebody told you to do for work. And then it wasn't until you reached some sort of executive level that all of a sudden this thing started happening. Now, of course, for, for all kinds of reasons, there's all kinds of stuff pressing in on us, all kinds of communication channels. And so there's all kinds of opportunities. And so task management has just exponentially increased in importance, not just in professional life, but in personal life, because you will not be able to do it all. And so you have to have some sort of system that helps you identify what is important and then figure out a way to address those and actually do those important things. And there's a there's an empowerment aspect of this that when you do that, everything becomes better, right? Everything becomes easier. Everything becomes more meaningful. You have a bigger impact, but in so many ways, it's a lot more fun, right? Because it's like, I, I'm okay saying no to this because I've taken the time to figure out what I can say yes to and I can deal with what I said yes to. A hundred percent. And that's kind of that. I think, you know, people talk about the fear of missing out, right? FOMO. And it's like, I think probably the easiest way to completely eradicate FOMO is by being intentional about what you're doing, why you're doing it, and when you're doing it. And when you're actually thinking that way, it's like you're not going to be at Bible study and wondering if you should have gone to that party or et cetera, et cetera. It's like you made a choice and you had a reason for the choice that you made. And so you're not going to be sitting around wondering if you made the, the wrong choice um, because you had there was a purpose behind it. And so yeah, just to double down on what you're saying, like I think it's so important in every area of life to just have a reason for doing what you're doing and then figuring out, you know, when and how. Um, and so let's touch briefly on before we get into relationships. You know, we're going to leave a whole 90 seconds at the end of this podcast to cover the entirety of relationships. But before we do that, um, let's touch briefly on delegation, which is actually a is a, a, a relational thing that involves tasks. Um, and so I, I mean, I'd like I'd love to hear from both of you guys on it. Honestly, you guys probably have both have more experience than I do in it. And so I'm kind of curious too. So like, what, like. Is, is delegation task management in your eyes? And like, and if there's nobody working for you, can you practice it? Like, I just love to get some thoughts from you guys on it. 
I think when, when we're talking about delegation, there is an interesting thing because it is that cross between task management and relationships and maybe even task management and time management and relationships. And, and there's a, there's a, a phrase and it's actually been uh, there's a book now that Dan Sullivan and Benjamin Hardy have with this title, but the title, I mean, the phrase existed before that, which is who, not how. And I think that's, that's when you, because you ask a little twist in that question, you know, delegation is important. Yes. As a leader, it's essential, right? Well, what about if nobody works for you? Well, that's never too early to start thinking about who is the best person to do this. And being honest, sometimes that best person is you, even if it's not your strength. I'm the best person to do this because I'm the only person that can do this. I'm the best person to do this because I need the experience. I'm the best person to do this because that's actually what I'm getting paid for, even if it's not the thing that I want to do or love to do and stuff like that. But And that works, but it only works for a short amount of time. And if you make any progression at all, you eventually get to a point where you could, you ought to be able to have the autonomy to think through and say, am I the best person to do this? No. The best person to do this would be blank. And then it's all about the relational approach, right? Because, of course, if you're at the bottom of the heap and you say, no, boss, you do this, that's ah, going to be a quick way to unemployment, right? <laughs> uh, but, but if, you know, relationally, if you say, I understand what the goal is, that's task management. I understand what time I have, that's time management. And so here's the best solution for this problem. It involves this who taking care of it. So this who, me, can do something else then that's delegation and, and, and it's at race to an art form, right? Then that's, that's delegation that puts the right person on the right task with the right time resources to make everybody successful. And that takes relationship skills, communicating that to everybody. That takes task management skills, understanding what needs to be done and whose strengths are best available for that. And time management skills, understanding what you have time for and what you don't have time for. And so just even thinking from that framework in terms of don't always default to think that I've got to do this. Instead, always think about who's the best person to do this. Now, what's possible? Sometimes I'm not the best person to do that, but it's not possible. But lots and lots and lots of times, way often people think I'm not the best person to do that. What's possible is to do something other way, another way. When you do that, all kinds of breakthroughs happen. So, Megan, I don't know. You've got some interesting experience doing this as well. Yeah. Um, well, I was thinking about, you know, our relationship and how, you know, you originally would delegate to me. Um, and so I actually think you ought to tell the email story here. Yeah. So, yeah, this is like the quintessential story <laughs> about that. Who not how, right. Um, I, I came from a background that hard work was really celebrated. That's great. But the solution to everything was to work harder. And also a servant leadership mentality. And you put those things together, you can get some really great results, but you can get some bad ones. And one of the bad ones I got was uh, never ask somebody to do something that you wouldn't want to do. And the best way to lead by example is to do the cruddy stuff that you would want to do, right? Which is not always wrong. However, in this case, I really despised email, like hated it with a passion, was bad at it, bad at organizing it, bad at following up with it, bad at doing all this kind of stuff. But I would never consider asking anybody else to do it, primarily because I hated it so much. And I assumed everybody hated it as much as I did. So it never even occurred to me to ask somebody else to do my email. It was like, you know, asking somebody else to take out your trash or something. Like it was just, it just seemed demeaning. And we were, <laughs> we were at this place one time. We were supposed to have a meeting. The people forgot to meet with us. It was an event we were planning. Uh, we had kind of a break in the waiting room and we had just finished a really intense, uh, another really intense event. And um, I fell asleep in the waiting room at waiting. And when I woke up, and there was another colleague with us, and when we woke up, I said, oh, I felt fantastic. 40 minutes nap, great. This other person said 40 minutes nap, great. And, and Megan's like, yeah, it was great. I, I did email and, I, and, and we both looked at her 
And Megan was as, as twice as rejuvenated having done all of her email than we were for 45 minutes. And I said, wait, 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 stop, full stop. What, ha- what just happened here? You are refreshed because you did email. And, and Megan was giddy. She's like, you know, I took all these messages and I sort of into all these folders and I answered all this kind of stuff. And, you know, like as she's talking about it, I'm like, and she's just, she's honestly, she's so transparently excited. And I said, are you telling me that it's relaxing for you to do email? And she's like, yes. I said, it's relaxing for you to like schedule stuff and like get tickets and stuff. And she's like, I love doing that stuff. And I said, well, you half joking. I said, well, from now on, you can do all my email. And Megan's like, that would be amazing. And I went, wait, she's serious. So full transparency. When was that, Megan? Six, seven years ago. I haven't, yeah. I haven't managed my own professional email box since that moment. Um, nor have I booked any of my own flights professionally. I can manage my own personal email and <laughs> personal flights, although I don't like doing it uh, since then. But two things happened. Megan became tremendously empowered. And so she was delighted about doing something she was really good at. And she did the email way better than I did. And she did the booking way better than I did. So everything improved there. I didn't have to worry about email anymore. I have to worry about that stuff anymore. And I was able all of a sudden to be free to do the stuff that I really was good at. And both things took off. And it's not like we doubled what we were able to do. It's like 10X or 100X what we were able to do. Like things exploded from that point forward. And, you know, we created a whole new vision of a company. Uh, We started a whole bunch of new projects. We got a whole bunch of new things going. Uh, Just from one simple little, you know, we laugh about the email conversation. But for me, it was this kind of blew my mind paradigm shift to understand the right people doing the right things it, it doesn't make things slightly better. It transforms things. And we were both way happier. And, and that is the basis of, you know, we're, we'll talk about the base camp. We talk about this with leadership teams. We build a, a whole model of, of leadership training and now personal development off of this kind of simple realization. And it, it, you know, it's not like it's new. It's not like nobody ever figured it out before, but it's something that I think people don't understand completely. And when they do, the results can be really astounding. So off of that, that was a really fun instance. And I have genuinely enjoyed managing email and flights ever since. But, you know, one of the questions you asked, Ben, was can you delegate, you know, if nobody worked for you? And at the time, nobody worked for me whatsoever. I didn't manage any student teams. I didn't manage anybody on staff. And yet I learned over the subsequent months, it took me a little longer than Jonathan, to realize that whenever Jonathan got tasked with a writing project, he was thrilled and would just spend all day typing away and come up with these really cool documents that totally infused people with vision. And so even though Jonathan has never ever reported it to me and I have always reported to him, I, I have, if you observe what other people are good at, I can draft something or I can put together a few bullet points. Uh, earlier this year, I came up with a, three objectives that I needed a document, a hiring document written on. And I gave it to Jonathan because I was like, you know, this is not my skill set, but this would be yours. He still astounded me and sent back a six page document four hours later, infused with vision and hope and all kinds of rainbows and butterflies. And it was great. Um, so I think if you're observant about what people are good at and you call on them to use their skill set, you can totally delegate even when nobody works for you. Yeah. Well, we had this happen this morning. Megan and I had it this morning. I gave Megan a series of things to do that required organization that I really didn't want to do. I started it by having a bunch of meetings with somebody. Then I sort of, I didn't even write the notes down. I verbally reported the notes to Megan. Megan took all those things and stuck it in a document, which made my day because I hate that stuff and trying to keep track of it was driving me crazy. And I could just talk, which I really love to do. 
Then she turned around and sent the document back to me and she said, this has all the stuff that has to be in it. Now make it sound attractive. And that's fine. I don't mind writing that at all because now the details are in there and I can just sort of put in the in-between stuff. So I delegated to Megan, here, put this document together. Megan delegated back to me, hey, make this thing sound right. And before we're done, we delegate back to Megan and say, make sure this actually gets to people it's supposed to, because if I have to do it, it'll never get out of my inbox. And so, you know, that's, that is a form of delegation. <laughs> we're both a lot happier and this project will get done. Whereas if it was on my desk, it would still be sitting there sometime in February. So. That's yeah, that's a really cool story. I actually I knew Megan managed your email, but I didn't hear the full story before. So I mean, that was pretty cool. I think the the two big takeaways that I'm taking from that conversation is basically, first of all, delegation is not the same as management, because I think that's why a lot of people have a mental, including me, um, have a mental block with it. It's like, well, I don't manage anybody. Nobody's like under me in this organization, so I can't delegate. It's like, that's not true. Delegation is more about teamwork than it is about management. It's it's about having the right people doing the right things. And so um, those are kind of different. They're, you know, they Sometimes a lot of delegation happens in management, but it's not the same thing. Um, the other takeaway that I got from this, which is also true for anybody listening to this podcast, which is that apparently if you want to talk to Megan, you could just email Jonathan at beunbound.us and boom, <laughs> you'll, you'll get Megan right away. So um, with and, the time- and, it's, and it's worth noting that if you email me, Megan's going to read it. So, and I, I mean, I'm always honest and tell people that if they're asking for my email address to say, hey, if you're going to send this to me. So if you want to send something complaining about Megan, don't send it to my email address because she's going to find out all about it. I may never see it. So, Man. Um, and so just to transition briefly to, uh, to relationships then as well, which we're kind of already getting into, but I guess like, you know, again, speaking about management, I think, you know, we're saying, you know, manage your time, manage your tasks. And then it sounds, but like, and, and maybe some people listen to this, including to me, it sounds a little bit weird to say, manage your relationships. Like it, it's like, well, I'm, we're talking about people now, like people are different. Right. And so um, maybe, uh, maybe Jonathan starts and then Megan, but just like, it's it like, how do you, do you look at it that way? Um, is it about the kind of relationship? Just like, what's your, what are your thoughts on that? Well, when we say the manager relationship does sound sort of cold blooded, but I think of this that to me, because it always feels like this is the odd one out, like task, time management. Oh, that makes sense. Task management. That makes sense. Relationships. What is that the third wheel? Like how did that, how did that kind of get connected to those things? And yet I think it's the essential piece because I don't think, so, so time and task management are just cold corporate crud if that's just all they're doing. If you don't understand them in the context that time and task management only make sense in light of relationships. And so, and again, from a Christian worldview, we would think that a relationship is the center of everything, you know, like not to get too theologically geeky here, right? But like we, we are part of religion, we believe that reality runs on a trinity, which is a relationship that we don't even fully even understand, right? And then our connection to that trinity has to do with our relationship with Christ, and Christ's primary directive to us was our relationship with other people, even our enemies. And so, relationships are reality. I mean, that that's, that's why we're here. And so, time management and task management only makes sense in context of relationships. It only makes sense if I'm managing time if it allows me to maximize relationships. It only makes sense if I'm managing tasks if it helps me to maximize relationships. And in that sense, managing relationships is about managing. So, if you manage your time well and your tasks well, it ought to optimize. And the point of it all is to optimize your ability to have relationships with other people, professional relationships, personal relationships, all of those things. And then when it comes to managing relationships, 
that's again just asking that why question, which is you know the WI, what's important? And you know, here's again, maybe if you lived in a little village, you know, 150 years ago and you only knew 30 people, then it's easy to manage relationships because you've got time for everything, right? But that's not a reality today. We have today, I don't know how many Facebook friends I have. It's probably over seven or 800, right? And yet in reality, I can't manage all those relationships. And so managing relationships requires you to ask this what's important question. And that helps you to figure out what are the relationships that are most important. And some of those will change and some of those remain sort of steady throughout your life. And just knowing that allows you to then backwards engineer it, right? Okay, now if those are the important relationships, now how do I manage my time and how do I manage my tasks so that I can maximize those relationships? And am I asking that question continually? Because here's the reality, some relationships go for a period of time and then they Mm -hmm. wane. They don't break, they don't die, they don't go away. They just have a different, and they may become important again later, Uh, but they do sort of shift. And if you're not careful to be sort of asking and thinking about that, you kind of get a little out of whack. So that's what I think about when managing relationships is first of all, prioritizing relationships and making everything else time and task management make sense. And then secondly, it's just reminding myself, what are the important relationships so that I'm paying attention to those important ones and not stressing about the others? Yeah. Yeah, I, I would echo that. I think it, you know, prioritization and intentionality because at least for me, and this has been true since I was in college, I have too many potential relationships to invest in mm-hmm. all of them. And so it's not dehumanizing to really sit back and say, you know, who, who am I going to intentionally invest in, seek to know, seek to be a part of their daily life or their weekly life or their monthly life. Um, that to me keeps me sane. And I think it also makes me a better friend and, and a better mm-hmm. person in those relationships versus being at a superficial level, constantly trying to text everybody I know that just doesn't work. And so it's actually a better way to do it. Yeah. Well, I just, I was very amused by the fact that when you're talking about texting, that a text message came in and went ding right here on the podcast. (laughs) That was perfect timing. Um, Yeah, no, I I agree with, with all of that. I think it's interesting because it's like this um, you have this realization that just like you said, it's like, I can't invest in everyone that I know. And so in some sense, being a being loving is prioritizing is saying I have time for these people. And at least right now, like this is who I'm investing in. And it's like, I just can't, you know, invest in everyone. And um, I think having that awareness is key. Um, And so, you know, it time tasks and relationship, they all play a part. They're all interconnected. And you can hear about all of them more at Basecamp. So you can visit beyondbound.us slash Basecamp to learn more about that event. I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. And just as I mentioned at the beginning as well, you can go to beyondbound.us slash refer, that's R-E-F-E-R, to uh, to get your unique referral link. I hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. If you have more questions, ideas, um, follow-ups, we could do another podcast like this on the same subjects. Um, you can visit, you can uh, email podcast at beyondbound.us and I would be more than happy to uh, to field your questions um, and to hear your ideas. So with that, we will catch you guys next time. 